Well, good morning, Exchange Church. So good to see you guys today. Wow, Chad, you're a little too excited over there, buddy. <laughs> okay, okay. You're making me nervous now. Guys, I'm excited to be here. Um, first off, did Greg do an amazing job last week or what? He, he did so awesome. You know, I was just a little bit jealous because he got to do all the dad jokes on his week. And so not to be outdone by him, I brought some of my own today, guys, because it just wouldn't be a service without me speaking, right, if I didn't do some jokes. So we are talking about God in film and Toy Story 4. So some of my jokes have to do with sheep. Just bear with me. If you don't think they're funny, laugh anyway. I mean, I think they are. First off, where does a sheep go to get a haircut? A baba shop. <laughs> Miss Sylvia, I love your laugh. Okay, what do you call a sheep with no legs? A cloud. <laughs> okay, what do you call a sheep covered in chocolate? Delicious. That would be great, but it's actually a candy bar. That's a sheep from up north. Anyway, sorry for the bad jokes today, guys, but I couldn't, I couldn't help myself. Um, anyway, as I'm speaking on the sheep and shepherds today, I just want to honor, take a minute to honor Pastor Trey and Pastor Carrie, who are on their way back from Mexico on vacation. We missed you guys. We love you so much. Um, can we give it up for them for just a second? You know, I get to have a behind-the-scenes look of how they lead, how they you know, prayerfully make decisions, how they are so gracious to so many people. And it's just really an honor to serve alongside them and an honor for them to share this platform with me. So we love you guys. We hope you have a safe trip home. We're praying for you, ready for you guys to be back. And I'm so excited that you got to get away. You know, they, they, um, they love fiercely, they lead valiantly, and I'm just blessed to call you guys my pastors. So we love you. Well, today we're actually going to read out of Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. You guys can follow along on the screens with us. It says, In the city of Jericho, there lived a very wealthy man named Zacchaeus, who was the supervisor over all the tax collectors. As Jesus made his way through the city, Zacchaeus was eager to see Jesus. He kept trying to get a look at him, but the crowd around Jesus was massive. Zacchaeus was a very short man and couldn't see over the heads of the people. So he ran on ahead of everyone. He climbed up a blossoming fig tree so he could get a glimpse of Jesus as he passed by. When Jesus got to that place, he looked up into the tree and said, Zacchaeus, hurry on down for I'm appointed to stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus scurried down the tree and came face to face with Jesus. As Jesus left to go with Zacchaeus, many in the crowd complained. Look at this. Of all the people to have dinner with, he's going to eat in the house of a crook. Zacchaeus joyously welcomed Jesus and was amazed over his gracious visit to his home. Zacchaeus stood in front of the Lord and said, Half of all that I own I will give to the poor. And Lord, if I've cheated anyone, I promise to pay back four times as much as I stole. Jesus said to him, this shows that today life has come to you in your household, for you are a true son of Abraham. The Son of Man has come to seek out and to give life to those who are lost. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful, God, for your presence in this place today. And Jesus, I just pray that you would speak through your word today. Father, let our hearts and ears be open to receive and to hear your word. God, we thank you that you are um, just giving Pastor Trey and Pastor Carrie and their family a wonderful time of refreshing 
and fun, God, and just give them a safe trip the rest of the way home. We thank you that today is going to be an incredible time in your presence. Holy Spirit, we just, we receive you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, you know, I've heard this story of Zacchaeus my entire life, but as I've been reflecting on it the last couple weeks, um, a few things have stood out to me. So that's what I want to share with you guys today. Um, you know, the first thing as I was reading that stood out was as, as Jesus was climbing down the tree and Jesus was about to, as Zacchaeus was climbing down the tree, Jesus was about to head off with him. And everybody in the cloud was complaining. Um, some of them said, why would he go to the house of a crook? Another translation says, why would he go to the house of a sinner? But I started thinking, good grief, why are these people complaining? I mean, what, what is it that made them complain? Did they not also think that they were chosen? Did they not also think that they were valuable to Jesus? Like, what, what was going on in their heads to make them just complain and attack rather than to, to be, uh, you know, supportive of Zacchaeus? And I just thought maybe it was tied to their insecurity. Possibly our insecurity leads us to a place where we can't rejoice with others but instead, we just wish it was us, you know, in that position. And that is just like the enemy because I've found over so many years that our insecurity is actually directly related to our purpose, right? If, if the enemy can get us to remain in a place of insecurity, then he can keep us from stepping out and doing all that God has called us to do, right? If we're always thinking, well, you know, I'm not good enough, I wasn't raised in the right kind of family. I don't have the resources I need. I don't have connections that I need. Can I share something with you guys? God is the only resource you need. It doesn't matter what your history, it doesn't matter your background, it doesn't matter the family you were born to. When God has a plan for your life, there is nothing and no one who can stand in the way of that, right? Because he sets our path in front of us. And so if we follow his voice, trusting completely and wholly in what he says, then we can trust he is an all-powerful, almighty God who never fails us, and he will never lead us to the wrong place. So today I, I was thinking about, you know, how we are tempted to compare ourselves with other people. And I think it's so easy in this social media-driven world, right? It was totally different when I was a teenager than what it is for our teenagers today and, and even adults. Um, but today you get on Facebook and you see, um, I mean, pretty much everything and anything. And you may not even be hungry, but somebody posts this delicious-looking picture of what they're eating for dinner, and then all of a sudden you want it right. Gosh, that sounds really good. <laughs> or uh, maybe it's who bought this house or who got a new car or my favorite, who's on vacation where. Anybody else like me, like after two minutes, I've already researched the airfare and the hotel and the rental car. And then two minutes later, my husband's bringing me back down to reality saying, no, you're not going. Ugh, happens all the time, you guys. I just can't help it. I see beautiful beaches and I want to be there. But, you know, I just understand that we are all trying to live our best life, right? We're all trying to do the best we know how in this thing called life. But I feel like we would all just do so much better if we could understand that life is not a competition, right? Life is all about celebrating one another. Life is all about encouraging one another. Everything we have is just temporary anyway, right? It's all temporary. It's all going to burn up someday. But the things that are going to last are our relationships. The things that are going to last are the things that we are impacting for eternity. 
and that is hearts and souls of the lost. So Matthew tells us about the parable of the shepherd and the lost sheep. It says, think of it this way. If a man owns 100 sheep and one wanders away and is lost, won't he leave the 99 grazing on the hillside and go out and thoroughly search for the one lost lamb? You guys have all heard that, I'm sure. And, you know, I think sometimes it's hard for us to understand why, why wouldn't God just be happy with 99? I mean, 99 is a pretty good number if you ask me. It, I'm, I'm sure we have a few overachievers in here that like to make hundreds. I am one of them. I am. But if I got a 99, I'd be like, darn, I missed it by one, but I'd still be elated, right? But, but that's not how it works on God's economy, right? He wants everyone to know his salvation. He wants everyone to receive his love. And so I was thinking, how can we kind of put that in an earthly perspective? And it made me think of just hypothetically speaking, I am not speaking this over anybody, but let's just say a house is on fire tonight and the parents are in their master bedroom and all the three kids are upstairs and there is a fire and you wake up and you see smoke and all you can think of is I've got to get my kids, I've got to get my kids. So you run to the first kid's room, you carry them out, you lay them on the grass and you're like, I've got one, I've got two more, I've got to get inside. You run inside despite the flames all around you. You grab the second child, you run outside. Two, you've got to go back, you got to get the third kid. So you run up the stairs, you grab the third child, you get outside and you're like, ah, my kids are safe, right? God is our father, just as we are earthly parents. And there was no way we would leave one of our children stuck in that bedroom without risking our own life to go get them, right? God is the same way. He counts his kids. And he doesn't even want one to miss heaven. He wants all of us to be able to walk in his life. So he rejoices that some of us are already safely in Christ, right? He's not abandoning the 99 to go get the one because he knows he's already given his angels charge over us. We already have the Holy Spirit guiding us, so he's not leaving us to go get the, the, the one. He's already got us safe, but his heart aches for that one lost sheep. And so our heart should also ache. As we are his sons and daughters, our family is not complete. It's just not complete. And so there's such an urgency inside of us. Well, I actually got the privilege of watching Toy Story 4 yesterday. Have any of you guys seen the story yet? Okay, so I won't give any spoilers, but I'm going to give you just a synopsis of the, of the movie. So you guys know Woody and Buzz and the whole gang. Super, does anybody love Toy Story besides me? Okay. Woody and Buzz and the whole gang, they are, um, you know, in Toy Story 3, they were donated to a little girl named Bonnie. So Andy's grown up. Now he's going to college. He's too big for toys. He gives all his toys to Bonnie. And Bonnie has, Bonnie has the toys, right? Well... It's, it's Bonnie's time to go to kindergarten. And Woody just can't let her go to kindergarten without him because he needs to make sure her day goes well. He sneaks in her backpack. They go to kindergarten. She's having a really rough time because she misses her parents already. And, and he helps her basically create this character. So there's a new character in Toy Story 4 named Forky. My mom was really bothered that they didn't call him Sporky because he's a spork. But anyway, his name is Forky. And, and Forky is made up of bits of trash, a spork, some pipe cleaners, um, a popsicle stick that was broken in half, like everything was out of the trash can. And so Forky has this innate desire to just go running back to the trash. He just doesn't think he's valuable. 
He doesn't think he's worth anything. Every time he gets loose, he runs straight for the trash can. Woody has made it his goal in life to make sure that Sporky, Forky, oh my gosh, now I'm saying Sporky, that Forky remains where he should be, which is right next to Bonnie because he sees the joy that Forky brings to Bonnie. And he wants to be a part of revealing Forky's value and his purpose to him. So it's a super, super cute movie. Of course, it requires all of the friends to get involved to make everything happen that needs to happen. And it's a really great movie. So I, I highly recommend it to you guys. But what I wanted to talk about today is really recognizing, um, I, my favorite part about the movie was that Woody had to come to a place in his life where he wasn't the favorite toy, right? He was just a toy. Bonnie never played with Woody. He was stuck in the closet. He felt useless, and he had two options. He could have either just sat in the closet and pouted, or he could have gotten out there and found another way to make Bonnie happy, even if it didn't, if, if it wasn't because of him, right? So he, he sought a way to still bring joy to someone. And with all of his friends, they were able to do it. You see it in the movie. It's a great, great movie. So my first point that I want to talk about today is that we, it, it, it led me to think about what is our responsibility as a body of believers to the lost, right? If we know that it is so important to God to find all of those lost sheep and bring them into our family, what does our responsibility look like? First point, we must reflect the change Christ made in our life. 2 Corinthians 5.17, you guys know this. This is our theme verse here at the exchange. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, all things are new. So I think that we have to understand we absolutely cannot live the way we lived before, right? If we, have, if we have accepted Jesus in our heart and we have been on this journey with him, then you're going to see changes, right? You're going to see changes in your life. You're no longer going to make the same decisions that you used to. You're no longer going to go sometimes to the same places you used to. Maybe you don't even hang out with the same friends you used to. There are going to be changes in your life that are going to be evident to everyone around you. I think that one of the most important things that changes as a believer is we understand that we are not on this earth for ourselves, right? We are living for a greater purpose, something that's so much bigger than ourselves. It, it no longer is about us. It's no longer about what can I achieve, what can I do, what can I attain. It's about what can I achieve for the kingdom of God? What can I attain to make a difference in the lives of others? What can I do to make a difference, right? Well, selfishness, is what stands in the way of that, right? Selfishness is one of those things that, as the Bible tells us to daily renew our mind, we are constantly crucifying our flesh and, and saying, Lord, be greater in me than what my selfish nature is, right? We have to keep a pure heart and leave no room for selfishness because a selfish heart leads to a critical spirit. I mean, let's talk about it. These folks that were gathered around the tree just waiting for Jesus, they, they obviously... Um, they obviously were a little bit upset that they were not the chosen ones for that time because they were doing all the things right, right? I mean, in today's time, they were going to church. They were serving on the outreach team. They were serving in e-kids, bless their hearts. 
they were serving wherever they could, right? And they were like, why did Jesus choose him over us? We're clearly doing a lot more than this guy, right? They thought that they were doing better, but that was because of their selfish hearts. So do you think it would have been any different if um, Jesus would have said, I think I'm going to go to the house of a saint today. Do you think the other saints would have been like, oh, yeah. No, they wouldn't have. They still would have complained because some people just can't be happy. They're negative and they complain. And we cannot fix that, right? We can't control other people's reactions, other people's attitudes. We can only control what we can control, right? So we have to be sure that we're walking with a pure heart. And um, I, I actually got them to cue this little song up because, well, I mean, I just think it's appropriate because sometimes we just can't please people, right? You want to hit it, Katie? So we got to shake it off, right? There are going to be people that are not happy for you. There are going to be people who don't celebrate with you. It doesn't mean we don't still love them. It doesn't mean we still don't chase after them. It's just that they don't understand what we understand, right? They have not experienced the life change and the transformation that we have. And we are called to walk in graciousness, not to walk in frustration, not to walk in hatred. No, no, no. We walk in love. So if we cannot get the selfishness out of our heart, then in time we're going to find there's a small part of us that rejoices when we see the imperfection in others, right? We're going to see that we have a sense of satisfaction that the person that we thought had it all together is really just as broken and flawed as we are. And that's not God's plan. That is not his plan for us. James 3.16 says, For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. The Bible tells us that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I'll tell you this, that if he can keep us divided, he knows he wins, right? If we're not all fighting on the same team in unity, then he wins. That's, that's how he's going to trap us every single time. John 8, tells us that Satan is the master of deception and the father of lies. It's very, very simple, guys. Satan likes to make lies more believable, right? So he's not just going to come to me and tell me one huge lie because I wouldn't believe it. If he comes to me and says, Sherry, you're so selfish. You only ever think of yourself. I'm not going to believe it because I serve my kids, I serve my husband, I serve my church family. I'm not going to buy that lie. But if he comes to me and he says, oh, Sherry, you do so much. You should be so exhausted because ugh, you just give so much to those kids who never stop asking for anything, to that husband who's always wanting dinner. At a, I'm just kidding. He doesn't really. He does want dinner, but he helps cook it. Um, or those, that, you know, those piles of laundry or that church family that you've got that you love to serve. You're just, you should be so tired. You, should be so, you really should take some time for yourself, right? Is that more believable? He's going to get me to start thinking, wow. Hmm. And I have two responses. I can either say, whoa, hold up, sir, because this is what actually fuels my passion. This is what my purpose is. My purpose is to serve others. My purpose is to lay down my life for others. And this is what gives me joy. Or I can start sympathizing and think, oh, my gosh, poor pitiful me. Oh, he's right. I work so hard. And my kids are so ungrateful sometimes, sometimes, only sometimes. Um, but, you know, and then before long, the thing that fueled my passion is actually something I resent. 
And then I'm walking away from it and I'm missing out on all the things that God has for me. That is just so sad to me because so many times he deceives us and we fall for it time and time again. We just have to protect our hearts, guys. If we fail to maintain a pure heart, we will never recognize the value of those who are still lost. We just look at them as a person, not as a lost person. And then we tend to be critical and judgmental rather than helping them along on this journey called life. I think point number two, another thing that we have to do as a, as a body of believers is that we must awaken and develop purpose inside of others. So God uses us to speak encouragement, hope, truth. We should always look for the gold in other people and pull that out, right? Well, one of the things that I love is um, we see in verse 8 that Zacchaeus joyously welcomed Jesus and was amazed over his gracious visit to his home. Zacchaeus stood in front of the Lord and said, half of all that I own, I will give to the poor. And Lord, if I've cheated anyone, I promise to pay him back four times. Do you know what impacted Zacchaeus? Besides the fact it was Jesus. I mean, that would impact me too. But, but a step beyond that, it was Jesus's graciousness toward him. Zacchaeus was overcome by the graciousness of Jesus. I think we can take a lesson there, guys. Because a lot of times we want to um, preach at people rather than be gracious toward them. There is still a way that you can deliver a message in love and graciousness and truth. It's a fine balance, but I know that we can find it. And Jesus said, today life has found you. Another translation says salvation has found you. But it wasn't until Zacchaeus was moved by the grace of God that he saw the error of his ways, right? And when purpose is awakened, it doesn't just change the individual, it changes everyone around them. And one of the things that I loved um, in, in Toy Story was this, this idea of investing in others. Woody was always investing in others. And Pastor Trey says this a lot. You've heard the phrase, you belong before you behave, right? You can see that played out in the movie over and over and over for trying to run to the trash can and Woody's like, no, you belong here. No, I don't, I belong there. No, you belong here. And Woody is always investing. I think sometimes we have got to learn we are the mouth of Jesus, right? Can he speak to people? Of course he can. But more times than not, he uses you and I to deliver those messages. And if we're so caught up in the busyness of life, it's before, before long, we're just distracted and we don't take the time to think, how can I impact this person that I'm speaking with right now? Would he invest so much into people that he actually gives some part of him to another character so that she can experience the fullness of joy that he has experienced? And as believers, that's what it takes for us. Sometimes it isn't just a conversation, Ramona, right? Sometimes it's actually, can I take you to dinner? Sometimes it's actually, can I pay your light bill? Sometimes it's actually, can I take you a ride? Can I give you a ride somewhere? I mean, it's, it's stepping out of what we always do and trying something different, right? The third responsibility we have is that we must pray for the lost and seek them out. In this movie, when Forky runs away, Woody is just at all costs trying to get Forky back so that Bonnie can be happy and have joy. And so 
that is what we have to do as believers is to constantly be praying for the lost, to constantly be praying, Holy Spirit, make me aware today, help me to be intentional, and then going after them. We can't just sit in our beautiful church, right? We can't just sit in our beautiful home. We have to step out and go to where the people are. And I don't know if you guys, I, I shared this on Facebook a few weeks ago. I'm going to get a drink of water. But as a lot of you guys know, our son Matthew is adopted. He just graduated high school. Yay, me. I mean, yay him. Um, he, did, he did all the work, all of it. Um, I helped. Anyway, he was 10 weeks old when we got him, and he was just this precious little bundle of joy. Um, side note here, I'm just going to say it. It wasn't in my notes, but I, I, I think it's hugely just a testimony of God's grace and favor and mercy that when we got him at 10 weeks, a couple of weeks later, he was having a visitation time with a parent. They left him with a babysitter who was right back here on May's. And it took us three days to get him back with a court order because they wouldn't return him. And the officers had us sit in this parking lot right here to wait for him to return to us. And, and they returned him to us that night. And at Matthew's graduation, I was like, what is the irony involved here? I mean, God is so good that the place that the enemy meant for our place of defeat, God made it a place of victory. Because Matthew just graduated from this school, North Point, um, in May. So, um, but when he was 10 weeks old, we got him and, you know, he was just this sweet little bundle of joy, so full of energy. And um, time went on, we had two more kiddos and it was about time for Matthew to go into first grade. He was going to start public school. And Chris and I had decided that we wanted to share with him that he was adopted um, because we really struggled. Do we wait till later? Do we tell him now? And we, we felt like it was the right time. We kind of wanted to set the tone of what adoption was and that it was a positive thing because you just never know what kids are going to say, right? So um, he was six. He was held. He, he had just turned six going into first grade. We brought him and sat him on our bed. We had been praying about it for weeks because we wanted to, we wanted to have a way to tell him that he would connect to, right? So we sit him on our bed and we say, hey, buddy, we have something to tell you tonight. And he's like, cool. And I said, well, you, you know, first off, I just want to remind you, you know how much Jesus loves us? Yeah, I know how much Jesus loves us. Jesus loves us so much, he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for us so that we could be called sons and daughters. Did you know that we're actually God's sons and daughters? Yeah, I know that. And so is Aunt Amber. And so is Uncle Trey. And so is Grandma. Yep, that's right. We're all sons and daughters. And Jesus made a way for us to have the same advantages that he has as God's son because he gave his life for us and God adopted us. And so I, I'm, I'm, I'm headed down that path, right? Well, he interrupts me. And at this time, he was not on ADHD medicine. And so I just thought, here, here we go. This is going to be a conversation full of interruptions. But he actually said, um, Mom, I had a dream last night. I said, you did? What was it? I dreamed about the baby that was in the basket in the water. And inside I'm going, oh, my God. He's talking about Moses. Like, God, you couldn't have done this any more perfectly. God had already prepared his heart the night before of what we were going to be talking about. And I was like, Matthew, that's right. 
Moses was adopted by a princess. And you know what? He fulfilled his destiny because she was a part of that. And so the story went on and we talked and we talked and we talked and it was the most incredible time, but probably the most special part to me was when he started asking about his birth parents. And he said, do you know my mom's name? And his mom had passed away a few years earlier. I said, yeah, your mom's name is Jennifer. He said, and what's my dad's name? I said, your dad's name is Chad. And he said, does Chad know Jesus? And I said, you know, I, I'm not sure, baby. I, I don't really know. And he says, well, Chad needs to know Jesus. And I said, yeah, he does. And I'm thinking, oh, you're so sweet, right? Chad needs to know Jesus. Of course he does. Everybody needs to know Jesus. And Matthew goes, no, mom. Chad needs to know Jesus. We have to find him. We have to go knock on a door and say, is Chad there? And if they say no, we have to go knock on another door and say, is Chad there? And if they say no, we have to go knock on another door and say, is Chad there? He has to know Jesus. And I was like, wow. You could feel the spirit of God all over him. But the best part of that story is that many years later, probably six or seven years later, Chad came to this very church, accepted Jesus into his heart, and he went on to be with the Lord. And I know that it was Matthew's faith as a child that just set the stage for that. You know, one of the questions I hear people talk about all the time is if God is so loving, how is it that these people that live in the remote parts of the world that can never know the name of Jesus, never know the power of Jesus, how can they be saved? That's not a loving God. But here's what I'm here to tell you is that God has put your name on the heart of someone long before you ever knew him. And I believe as believers that when we pray and we ask God and we are, we are intentional about saying, Jesus, save the lost. Jesus, in places that we don't even know where they are, save the lost. God is calling names. He is saying, I am still missing Adam. I am still missing Carla. I am still missing Jacob. I'm still missing Michael. He is still calling their names. And it's up to you and I to grab hold of that and to pray and seek the lost and lead them to the Father who longs to have them home. So let's pray this morning. Maybe this morning you're sitting here and you don't know Jesus. Maybe your idea of him has always been that he's this father who just wants to punish because you, don't, you haven't made the right choices or you haven't made the best decisions. But that is nothing of how his heart is. His heart is full of nothing but love and mercy and grace for you. And if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I would love to introduce you to him today. If that's you, would you just take a minute? Everybody's eyes are closed. Will you just raise your hand so we can pray for you today? And as believers, as we sit here today, maybe you're like me and you've gotten comfortable in your daily routine and you're just so busy with work and family and everything else that involves our time that you haven't been as intentional as you'd like to be. And maybe you just want the Holy Spirit to help you this week and forevermore to just be more intentional in recognizing opportunities. If that's you this morning, would you raise your hand? 
Let's just pray together. Father, I just thank you, God, that you are so good. Father, you are such a loving father who longs to have all of your children home. And God, we as the body of Christ, that's our job. Like that is our purpose, Father. Our purpose is to ensure that we take everybody to heaven with us that we possibly can. So God, as we lift our hands and our hearts to you today, Jesus, we just ask that the Holy Spirit would go before us this week. God, help us walk in boldness. Help us walk in courage. Help us walk in love to all of those people you put in our path, God. And help us recognize, God, that it's more than just going through our routine. God, we have got to pray with intentionality. We have got to seek the lost out, Father, and we've got to love them like you love them, Jesus. We thank you that today is a new day. It's a day we get to start fresh and pursue all that you have for us, and we glorify you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Can you give it up for Jesus today?